How creative and effective can your worship team be as much as you allow it? This is the Worship Team Training Podcast. Now, here's your host, Brandon Dempsey. Worship leaders, pastors, teams, musicians, love you. Thank you so much again for downloading and uploading the Worship Team Training Podcast. And uh, we appreciate you guys subscribing to us. Many of you have. We want to do something special today, uh, a throwback to one of our training events that we did, a workshop way back in um, a few years ago in East Texas. I recorded something on creative leadership, creative um in your music making, but also your leadership and effectiveness and how great those things together can work to make a successful and strong team and also to help empower the people that you already have. So take a listen. I hope you like it. Look at the next example down. This is really cool. Blessed be your name. We start on A, right? Blessed, again, E, around the clock face, F sharp minor, and D. See that? So let's start with progression cycle number two. I just played you the original version. Now cycle two version, this time we're going to start on E, F sharp minor, D, now A. Now listen to this. Blessed be your name and the land that is plentiful, where the streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. And it goes back to one. So see how that works out? We go to the next cycle. This is really cool. We have F sharp minor, D, A, E. See, all I'm doing is I'm using the same four chords of the song, but I'm just reinventing them around the wheel. Now listen to this one. Starting on F sharp minor, the minor six. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where the stream See how that works out? And you can also do this. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, blessed be the name of Lord. And then we play the chorus as usual. So the, the, whole, the whole idea of a different combination, especially for the verse, is just to vary up the music. And it's just to make different transitions of, between one section, which we identify as the verse, and the second, which we identify as the chorus. Does that make sense? The choruses are mainly what people sing with. And for the verses, we want those to be claim, uh, plainly heard. But we also want to do things to maybe kind of make them a little special without sticking out too much. So this is a subtle way that I can do that without trying to have a lot of heavy band work just by changing a few chords and making it simple, even in my playing. Let's say that um, even for pianists, let me just demonstrate over here real quick, Lamanda. If I'm a piano player, and maybe you're the one-man band in your band, in your church, then you can get away with it like this. Because typically it's like, well, what do I play as a, let's say you have two or three instruments in your band. And we're on that same song, right? Um, uh, so like, blessed be your name. Two, three, and. All I'm playing here is just rhythm. And every 
blessing you poured out, I'll turn back to praise. And a little bit, just a little, right? And the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name. Hear what I'm doing? I'm not, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name, right? Or I'm not, you know, uh, getting real wild about it. I'm just doing the, you know, the basic. Blessed be two, three, and two, three, and two, three, and. We get too bored in the church, and we always want to, you know, we always want to add too much. The band, the bass guitar, the electric guitar, before you know it, there's 16 chords before the chorus. Yeah. And then what are they doing? Okay, and now I'm found. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Two, three, and you can't get away from that. Simple. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the every blessing you poured out. I'll Turn back to praise. So we pedal that D. And the darkness closes in, Lord. Still I will say again. And when the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the. I'm playing the six minor. Five to four. Try it again. And one, two, six minor, and one, two, three, and on, two, three, and two, three. Name of the Lord, blessed be your name. So you have to take risk as a musician and a singer. You can't rely on what's comfortable and what's predictable all the time. Because worship just doesn't happen that way. I mean, for instance, now this is really funny, but remember in that uh, scenario where I had David playing bass and, and he was holding the pedal and he held the, and he played the D? Actually, at first, I didn't want him to pedal that D, but he did. And, and, and in my mind, I was like, no, that sounds good. Stay with it. And it worked. And the whole time, just teaching right off it, you didn't know that, but that was actually a mistake. But it worked. <laughs> you can't have a worship service without mistakes. You know? Now, the whole idea, though, is that as a musician and a singer, Rule 101 says you just never stop. If you make a mistake, you keep on going. You never stop. Okay? You play it twice as jazz. The best mistakes in the world, the best mistakes of the world are learned and heard by Miles Davis, John Coltrane, um, Jelly Roll Morton, uh, Thelonious Monk. I mean, all these great jazz players, you know, they create music colorfully because they're not trying to be perfect. But as a worship team, we get so tensed up and it's like, oh, but what do I play? And I miss this note. I, I don't memorize the words. I don't want to forget something. And there's people. And it's like, what do you do? You freeze. You lock up. Okay, number one, practice at home. That will take care of that. Trust me. Do not show up at your rehearsal 
expecting to practice. How's that song go again? Okay, those chords, okay, how's that go again? Do that at home, because you're wasting time at rehearsal. When you rehearse, you should be rehearsing what you've already practiced at home. It makes it easier for your team, and plus you're not rude to them, and they can move forward. By the time you get to Sunday morning, then you do a run-through, not a rehearsal. You do a run-through, <laughs> and then you have service. But at that point, the hope is, is that you've already practiced at home, you've rehearsed, you ran through. Then when you're here, that confidence needs to stem in the heart of Christ as you lead his people in worship and you take your hands off the steering wheel and have fun. Cindy's not feeling too well vocally. The drummer was sick. We had some things that we had to do music-wise and it kind of threw, a little people, uh, threw us off a little bit in rehearsal. But you know what? We just adapted to it and moved on. And we worshiped, right? So that's the whole point, is, is plan preparation, execution. But you worship and you have fun. But it's learning how to be prepared because you're going to encounter things like the drummer being out. And if we didn't have a set plan together musically yesterday, we would have all been up in the air, wouldn't we? And been like, well, what do we do now? Kind of thing. So don't let those speed bumps happen before you see them. Okay? Make sure that you have a plan and you're ready to go. So in the event when something happens, I, a pastor friend always told me, have a plan B, no matter what. Always have a plan B. That's what they train you in the military. So that way, when you go out in the field, something's going to happen. Worship, lead, leading worship is no different. It's going to happen. Things are going to happen. So be prepared for it. All right, let's move on because I want to catch up. So if we look at page 66, I'm sorry, not 66, page 35, please. <laughs> really threw you there, didn't Adapt and move on. See? Okay. Uh, what have you experienced in your church, in your band? I have um, with the musicians I play with is uh, really trying one trying to lead them in I don't read music hardly at all so I, I play primarily by ear and I've got folks that, that read music so I think that was a godsend I guess the, the book that I want um, but trying to uh, really communicate with the team and because I've got the vision I mean a lot of the stuff that you guys are covering and talking about how to work into a song. I've got that vision to try to talk about that. Um, one thing that I think I'm particularly struggling with is, in particular, the piano player. If it's written a certain way, it needs to be played that way, and, and that's it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I think it was interesting. They must make a lot of them. Yeah, so it was interesting about yeah. what you were talking about, about the piano and, and playing and just the chords and not having to have everything in there. And, and I guess I'm... I'm curious if you have any advice or suggestions on how do you talk to your musicians about that without it coming across like you're saying. Because you know, I guess my fear is, is, and it's probably maybe more of a personal fear of going to hurt somebody's feelings that I'm telling them to back mm. off the piano or back off the uh, keyboard or, or whatever. Still on your fire. That's one way to do it. And then the pastor says the same thing, same thing to you. I guess maybe I'm getting off of the technical piece a little bit into the, the emotional No, side. go, go. But so. that's even even with us, with our church, even though we haven't got a praise banner or anything, that's a problem. Sure. Because we do have the same thing. Where if you try to do anything different, yeah, uh, you know, uh, I don't lead the music. I have to drag a piano. You know, yeah. And, uh, 
uh, everything, even if it's six, eight times, four, four times. And, and mm -hmm. it's, it's a problem. Okay, so how do you do that? Don't say a word and tie your pianist's hands behind his back. <laughs> Let him go to sleep and he wakes up and he can't move his arm. <laughs> um, I experienced that a lot. I play with many different pianists. There was one pianist I walked in on to um, work with the church, and I'm not kidding you. I I'm not kidding you. This is no exaggeration. Heather can tell you. We walked into the back of the room, and the worship band's up front, and the singers are all just kind of doing this, you know? And the pianist, no lie, the pianist has his back turned towards the congregation, and he's just playing like this. And I'm not kidding. He had the garters on his elbows with the white puffy shirt doing this. I'm not kidding you. It was like, Sarsaparilla partner? That's what I felt like you're saying up to him. And he's just playing like this the whole time. I'm like, wow, you know? So yeah, I mean, how do you, how do you stop that? How do you deal with that? Well, here's, here's number one. Here's the thing. Um, people in the church are mushy and uh, feelings are a big deal. And you know, there is an art to how to address musicians and singers. And what I typically do is I just simply say, hey, can you play simply half of what you're playing? Just be direct about it, you know. And, and I say things like, uh, like, like LaManda. Uh, yesterday we're, we're going through music, and, and I said, hey, LaManda, sounds great what you're playing. You know, you, if you want, you can compliment them first and just say, hey, I love it. I love what you're doing. But in this passage, what we're trying to do is we're trying, we're trying to emulate the vocal. And in order to do that, our role as a musician is to kind of back out a little bit. So can you play half of what you're playing during the verse? And let's, let's try to hear the voice together. And then the chorus then come out. And that's how I advised her. She's like, oh, she got it. I mean, I didn't say things like, oh, you're not playing that right. I mean, you know, no one wants to hear that because then that's like a personal attack. Or, um, no, don't do it that way. Stop. You know, I mean, people don't respond that way. Think about if you were in that position, you know. So I address it this way. I'll just say things like, hey, let's say this. We got a runaway bass player here, you know. <laughs> That's right. And he's just all up and down. I mean, you play with that too, right? They're like everywhere, you know. And all you got to say is, hey, love what you're doing, David. What I'd like for you to do is this. Because I love what the kick drum is doing also, can you guys just kind of meet in the middle, so every time when he hits that bass drum, you play. <laughs> like Mr. Holland's opus, point, play when I point at you, kind of thing. That's almost what he did yesterday. That's kind of what I did do, you know. I just simply said, hey, what I'd like for you to do is just intersync, interlock in with what I'm doing here at the kick. If you have voices, harmonies, vocals that are singing all the time, just say, hey, ladies or men, can you, would you mind just dropping out during the verse? and come back into the chorus, because here's why. You always want to give people a reason of what you're doing. If you just say, hey, uh, back out, don't play here. You're not going to win friends, okay? Just simply say, hey, can you play half because mm, we're trying to emulate the lyric or because we're trying to set up where the drums come in, or if you got two dueling guitar players and they both sound the same real loud and hairy, just say, hey, can one of you use a capo? We're trying to achieve a different sound between guitars, and one way to do that is for maybe one to play a capo with it, or if they don't have capos, let one pick and the other one strum. You know, I mean, there's, it's, it, that just comes down to a people skill of knowing, number one, what you want as a director 
or a worship leader. And then number two, learning how to communicate that in a very empathetic way that lets them know that you're on their team and they're not doing it wrong, but you're just wanting a, an arrangement style. There's nothing wrong with asking for it. And then if people, you know, if they get maybe defended and, uh, I mean, offended and they say, well, well, gosh, I mean, no one tells me how to play like that. And you can say, yeah, you're a great player. That's not what I mean. I'm, I'm trying to make what we're doing better here. So let's work together on this. You know, encourage them in that kind of, in that vein, because that's all you're doing. Okay? And like when I give critiques or help other musicians and vocalists or songwriters or whatever, I just try to be plain and straight with them and just say, hey, yeah, I like what you did here. One way that you can make it better is to do this. Have you thought about that? You know, ask questions because you're going to, people are going to think and go, yeah, I never thought about it that way. I mean, like Kara, we're trying to find a, a sound on the keyboard and I kept working with her saying, hey, how's that sound to you? And she's like, no, nah, it sounds bad. I'm like, yeah, you're right. And so we play around the different chords and just try to get it sounding right. And I found something that worked. I'm like, hey, what do you think? And she's like, yeah, it sounds good. Cool. And then you move on. You know? So there's a way of also empowering people and let them know that you trust them. That, that's another key issue as well. Because, Please. Realizing the, the difference there in, in style and uh, because our piano player style is more the, the, the older hymns, the traditional music. Uh, and and now, he, to his credit, he, he does a lot of, of contemporary stuff too. And mm -hmm. I think it's just more style and my style. And, and then what I've got in my head, maybe having that, maybe me being a little intimidated trying to tell somebody that can read yeah. the music. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm trying to do when I can't talk in musicality type terms. But you're the leader. You don't have to be the expert. A leader is never the expert. I mean, why do you think I have Billy and Cindy here? <laughs> I mean, you... Sometimes you can put a video camera up there and it won't lie. It might be blatantly obvious. Right. Well, what I'm saying is, is that, that, what I'm saying is that God's gifted them in a unique way of other skill sets that I don't have. That's okay with me. You know, I mean, David plays bass. I don't. He's a better player than I am. If I play bass, he'd want to leave, you know? But he's here, and he's here to help. So it's okay. I mean, I, I think the better, uh, when you surround yourself with people who are better than you are, it just makes your team that much more effective, always. And, and I love doing that because I'm like, I work with, you know, other guys. Like next week, I'm doing a, a, a training seminar with uh, Tom Croyder, you know, and he's like really good at what he does. Um, and last, like at Christian Musician Summit, you know, uh, you're teaching with guys like Paul Balash and there's Lincoln Brewster and there's all these people and you can like think, oh geez, but I'm like a nobody. And it's like, no, they have a specific skill set that God gave them to use and, and he's given you a specific skill set too. And you use it in different ways. Again, it's like last night, there's different kind of fruits in the garden. You know, some are apples, some are oranges, some are bananas. That's okay. Instead of letting that bother you, embrace it and use the skills and, and sets of your people because what's really cool is that when you begin to rely on them and lean on them a little bit, it's a beautiful thing. 
Hey friends, before we conclude with this podcast message, why not have this kind of spiritual development and practical music training for skill development that comes right to your church in a Friday and Saturday workshop? Visit worshipteentraining.com slash workshops and learn, learn what it means to have an intuitive and fun, creative way to step up the skills and heart of your worship team. Best of all, we come to you. Check out worshipteentraining.com slash workshops. Now let's return to the conclusion of our podcast. So as said in this recording, as much as you're able to embrace both the weaknesses and your strengths from your team, it's only going to make you and your worship ministry that much more effective because by relying on each person, you're able to draw out of them what they can contribute to the ministry. So as I said in that recording, it's it's not about you being the one man, one woman show of everything. It's about not just allowing your team members to contribute, but it's also learning how to build in them so that they can contribute. I think the best worship teams that I've led were those that I spent a lot more of my time pouring into them instead of trying to ask it from them. There's a big difference because a lot of worship leaders get mad or frustrated with with themselves or with the circumstance what's going on because they can't get results and i i really believe that if you want to get results you have to spend a lot of time digging you have to spend a lot of time pouring into your people pouring into your ministry giving them materials giving them resources and spending time with them so it's it's a lot more than just asking somebody to do something within your worship team like you know hey can you play this one part or i want it done this way or if it's in the uh, the hemisphere of getting them to lead, getting a person to lead in another area, such as your audio or your uh, media ministry, and asking them to do things that they maybe have never done before. So again, you have to be the one to teach them. And if you are not the teacher, or maybe you have an idea of what you want, but you don't know how to deliver it, find somebody who can. Uh, there's many worship leaders and churches in your area that know more than you do. Um, I'm subject to the same myself. If, if I don't have a um, something up my sleeve that I don't know, I need to find out another church and call them to bring in an expert. So you're doing your team a service by providing teachable opportunities. And, you know, and I hope that you find worship team training as one of those resources that you can draw upon and invite it to your church or being led into our online university. I mean, you know, we, we try to put out and, and as much as you see other resources around the world, there's many things that you can dive into to explore, develop your own sense of awareness and knowledge and skill and then what you do is that's your responsibility to pour that back into your team so i hope this broadcast today encouraged you i I really hope that it brought you to another sense of uh, creativeness and opportunity and inspiration because all of what god is doing within you right now you are helping your team by you being that resource. So guys, thanks again for joining us today. Uh, Be sure members and friends to look at the event page on wttu.co slash events. 
find out more of what's coming as we have more interviewees, more great guest friends coming your way to teach you on our Thursday trainings, as well as more Monday episodes coming up soon. So guys, thanks again for joining us. And remember, you don't need to be, you don't need to be perfect. Just allow the Lord Jesus to walk in you, to lead life, and to lead you in worship. Love you. See you soon next time. Bye. This has been a worship team training broadcast and digital production with your host and training director, Brandon Dempsey. Worship team training provides live workshops and online resources to help inspire, create, and transform the leading of worship. We'll see you again right here on worshipteamtraining.com.